Welcome to the Molding Private Practice Show, where we help healthcare practitioners in private practice keep true to their purpose and build a life of mastery by providing the knowledge, skills, and tools to bring their dreams to life. In this episode, we cover the importance of having a story brand for your private practice and how you can use stories to build an amazing marketing framework for your private practice. If you listen to this episode and you implement what you're about to learn consciously and strategically, you will radically change your private practice and life forever. Don't just listen to this episode and walk away with a few ideas. Really listen, take some notes, make a plan, and implement what you're about to learn. This can change everything. Let's start the show. Hi, Chess. Ready to go? Hi, Oliver. Yes, definitely ready to go. Ooh, I, th- I thought for um, this um, session, um, you know, I thought we should talk about story brand and healthcare practitioners. And, uh, you know, if I just started out with, uh, you know, just saying, you know, even that term story brand, I mean, it took us a really long time. Well, it took me a really long time to firstly understand that. And I kind of just stumbled upon it. Um, and, you know, the purpose of this episode is just to talk about can healthcare practitioners have a story for their private practice? And again, that sounds really weird. Uh, but the, I do want to reference something. So, so there's a book by Donald Muller called Building the Story Brand. Um, and coming from a you know, coming from a um, from an IT background or even a business background, I had no marketing experience, and and I think you know that's the reason some of my earlier businesses never kind of worked because I would always just concentrate on the product and never the marketing or the sales aspects. And uh, it sounds like the weirdest thing because obviously you know sales is the lifeblood of a of of any business, but for me that. You know, like I never understood it. And although I did it at Varsity, I mean, I, I did business management at Varsity. And I think we even did like, uh, you know, the, the four Ps as part of marketing or what, the marketing module. I just never, it, I never understood it. Um, and um, so I kind of stumbled, I worked with a uh, consultant um, with, with this business um, in the early days. And he kind of introduced this concept to me on um, brand archetypes. And again, that, that was like, you know, night and day in terms of understanding that. And for the, for the first time, I kind of understood, you know, why is it that BMW markets in a certain way? And why does Volvo market in a certain way? And it was like a light switch kind of moment. But then I discovered this book. And for me, that was the next almost monumental shift in terms of, um, in terms of how do you approach marketing and how do you approach business? And it became almost a de facto way that, that we communicate right now. And, you know, at any given point, we know exactly the story we're trying to, you know, we're telling people or we're telling the team. And um, so has that been your experience as well? Have you found anything uh, similar to that? Look, I must admit, since we started implementing the story brand concept, it's definitely helped when you have the conversations. It's definitely helped with team dynamic because you're not just selling a product. You're actually selling the story behind the product. Now, I know that sounds strange, but when I say the story behind the product, the biggest thing with the story brand is why, it comes back to what we said with Simon Sinek, why are you doing what you're doing and using that if everybody's on the same page, if you know that you are helping kids with, you know, 
developmental delays, you know why you're doing it, but the story brand helps you to focus on who your clients are and then how to bring them to you based on the services that you offer. I think it definitely is a wonderful marketing tool and it's definitely been helpful for clients that we have implemented. Mm. Okay, so so to start off with, I think, um, I mean, we have to explain the framework. Um, the easiest would be everyone goes and reads the book, which I highly recommend. And we'll include, uh, you know, the links in the show notes. Uh, but I do want to explain a little bit, of, a little bit about the framework, and then we can chat through that. Um, so the thing that got me sold on this is, um, you know, in the book, uh, the author talks about almost every good story follows the story brand framework. So whether you realize this or not, you know, all of the great, you know, things that you, you know, uh, that you've been watching or, you know, watching especially. Uh, or reading almost always follows this 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 uh, master framework almost. Um, and when I when I read through the book and you know I could you know get the framework in in my in my mind, everything kind of resonated. And um, you know what they were saying about you know good good books and good movies actually follow this kind of made sense because I remember I mean like we took the kids to watch um, a movie and I can't remember but obviously it was an animation movie and. Uh, the, you know, the movie didn't follow that script for some reason. It was very confusing. And, um, you know, when I got out of the movie, I, I realized instantly why I didn't like the movie was because they didn't follow that framework. Um, and so if I had to talk about the framework, so in the, frame, in the book, you know, he talks about the hero or the heroine. Um, and that's the main character. You know, in, uh, I remember when I used to watch, uh, you know, these Western type movies with my dad and we would... Uh, you know, he would always say within the first five minutes, the, the, the main character, that's what he used to call it. Uh, you know, the main character always presents themselves. And, and that's so true. So it, it's like, who's the main character? Who's the, the hero? Um, and it's important to know that like that hero is actually a person. It, it's not a product. It's, you know, and I think that's where it, almost everyone gets it wrong. It's not the brand. It's not the product. It's not that. It's the person. Right? So who's the hero in the story? The second part to that is the hero has to have a problem. And now if he doesn't have a problem, then, you know, you just skip to the end of the movie and it's like happily ever after. Like, so, and the reason I'm, I'm using that quite tongue in cheek as well is because Disney tells great stories. You know, all of their stories, you know, follow this principle and they, I mean, they learned how to put that magic in terms of storytelling. So, if you don't have a problem, then obviously, you know, it's, you know, in Disney's kind of ending of any movie, it's like happily ever after. But um, the third part of that is that person, that, that hero or heroine always finds a guide. Now, the reason for that is, so we have, so we have the hero, we have a problem. And if the hero could solve the problem, again, you know, you skip all the way to the end of the movie and, you know, problem sorted, the hero just ties whatever, um, or, and, you know, the, the story's over, like happily ever after. But it doesn't work like that. You know, if the hero knew how to solve the problem, they would just do it. And, um, you know, it never worked like that. So the hero always meets a guide. And this guide is someone that's, that's helped uh, or, or that's been through something similar. So, so the best guides are, are ones that have done it before, um, are trustworthy, are... Um, and, you know, basically it's someone that the hero 
kind of aspires to be or, or can relate to or and and most most importantly can trust and then the guide gives them the plan it's almost like you know you imagine this like ancient scroll or this 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 treasure map and it gives them the the treasure map it gives them the guide um uh, or gives them the plan sorry and um and now the hero knows what you know she needs to do or the heroine knows what she needs to do and then there's a call to action so now the the heroine is like you know she knows what she needs to do she knows she has a problem but you need that 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 push almost and and normally that's that's a push in terms of a life um the, a life event or or something happened to to force them you know so so normally in movies you know like someone died and you know like they have to take revenge or um you know they got pushed into a tournament and now they need to survive or or something like that and um and then the 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 next element is that the the hero um takes this plan they have this call to action they have to do something and the guide kind of helps them with avoiding the failure um and then i think at the end obviously the the last part to this is it ends in success you know unless it's a you know it's one of those movies that has a bad ending you know which there's very few of those but um normally there's a good ending you know because people want to to leave from the you know from the cinema like feeling okay um so there's a um there's good ending and um and so everything kind of you know like uh, balances out so you know the person figured out what they needed to do they um they got the plan they had someone to help them and then they they solved the problem um and i do want to say you know so that's that's the framework but i do want to say it's almost like they call it the reluctant hero so normally it's you know the hero is not like going full blaze at this and um and really wants to do it they normally have to be convinced that this is the case and that convincing is from the guide or that was from the life event um but there's some some level of reluctance from the hero's part so so if you look at heroes you know like movies as well there's you know they they definitely spend some time you know in the movie or or in a book uh trying to convince the hero actually this is your plan this is your life path this is what you need to do um does that make sense yes Oh, definitely but you know you can translate that into anything and i think that's why story brand is so phenomenal I mean, if you take a healthcare practitioner invariably they are the guide the hero is whoever the patient may be and the quest is how do you get that patient from the struggle that they're having now to overcoming that and leading a full healthy and normal life and then the weapons are obviously the tools or coping mechanisms or adaptations that you give that patient in order for them to do those simple things so you know one of the easiest examples to use would be a person who's lost their sight so you know immediately they're going to need help with how to function normally again and the tools can be anything from their doctor to assisting them with a guide dog and learning braille but they have to want to do that and that's where the practitioner comes in to help to guide them to make the right choices and get to the point where despite suffering the life altering 
incident of losing their sight, they're still able to live a full and functional life. I think if we translate story brand into anything that you do, you mentioned BMW and Volvo. I mean, Volvo talks about safety. Now, safety can't be a hero, but the hero of the day is the family in the car because they know that they're safe. You know, Volvo has guided them to make the right decision and use that safe vehicle to get them from the start of their journey to the end. So I think it's definitely worthwhile contemplating in anything that you do from a marketing point of view. How do you get the hero to see you as the guide? And then what tools do you offer to help them complete that quest? Yeah, I like that. Um, so I like the fact that you obviously uh, related it to um, the healthcare practitioner. And again, it's a story that, you know, whenever we tell that to healthcare practitioners, especially when we start working on the websites and, and say, okay, what do you want on the website? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a nice aspect to look at it because you're not looking at it from the lens of um, I'm the hero, you know, as in, you know, the healthcare practitioner is the hero and I'm just here to solve the problem um, because that's not the case. It's, you know, they're the guide, they, they have the tools, they have the weapons, um, you know, to be able to help them. So if I had to, if I had to relate that to Ketrin, um in terms of what we do, and, and I think because healthcare practitioners hopefully are the ones that are, you know, listening to this or watching this. So if I had to relate this back to, to Kitrin and how we work, um, in terms of um, you know, in terms of the methodology, it would we definitely not the you know the hero. Um, you know, it's the healthcare practitioner that's the heroine. You know, we definitely the guide. Uh, when it comes to the plan, the plan is is pretty much that methodology that we covered in the first episode, and it's that you know here's your plan. You, this is how you you move from uh, going into private practice to getting your admin sorted and to to building the the private practice to the revenue levels that you want. And this is now how you go to the next level in terms of a non-time-based therapy income, all of those kind of things. Um, and then the weapons, you know, that, that, are, that are on the, uh, you know, that are tied to the plan becomes the products um, that we offer and the guides and the, um, the documents and, you know, even things like this, this content becomes almost like the, the things, the tools that they use that's, co- you know, that complements the plan. Um, and then if you look at the, the call to action, this one, I, I, you know, I spent some time t- trying to think of, that, of this and, and it kind of comes up all the time as well. So if I had to give a tangible example of how the call to action kind of comes in is normally a client would call us or, or contact us when there's a life-changing event. And every year this happens without fail because the life-changing event is the end of the year. And towards the end of the year, you know, we kind of the busiest because everyone's making their new year resolutions and they, and they want to make sure that the next year is never going to be as terrible as this year in terms of time, in terms of not having the private practice that they wanted to have and all of those things. The other one that kind of calls to mind because we, you know, we, we signed on a client recently as well. And it's just like when there's a new arrival in the family, you know, then you realize, actually, I don't have four hours for admin and four hours for baby and this and that. And immediately it's like, okay, that's a life changing event. Um, and it kind of pushes them to like, okay, how do I find a solution for this? 
So, you know, that we can kind of relate to. We, we're still learning a lot about that stuff in terms of, you know, the, the, the clients that we deal with. But those seems to be, you know, like very, you know, tangible examples. Um, the other one that is, is top of mind always is, is marriage. So like, you know, when someone, because most of our clients are women, um, you know, when they get married, obviously there's, there's other time commitments. And, um, you know, in terms of starting a new life and stuff like that, and they don't really want to spend that same time um, in terms of just doing what they used to because they don't have that time. Um, and also what we find is, is actually spouses are a really good uh, source of pushing, you know, the practitioners to actually rethink this. Um, it was the same with me with, you know, with Ingrid's practice, because when I saw her not sending out invoices for two months, it was like, no business does this. Because if you haven't sent out the invoice, how, how can you expect payment? You know, because there's no way I'm paying without an invoice. Um, and I'm sure it was, well, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I am sure that all of her clients were in the same boat as in, I didn't get an invoice. So you obviously don't need the money. So, um, yeah, I'll pay you when you send the invoice. And if you took two months to send me the invoice, so obviously expecting payment in two months after that, um, which is obviously wasn't the reality, but it was the signals that, you know, were being sent out. And then if I look at, um, in terms of, we covered the weapons, we covered um, the, uh, you know, the call to action. In terms of avoiding the failure, it's just by having a team like us and having the products that we offer and, um, and, and, and basically that support, you know, that, that, that support framework um, or that support function as in, you know, if they are having a problem, because like we said, you know, previously, you know, life's not a static thing, it's constantly changing. Um, this year with UIF and, you know, like, uh, you know, how, how SARS or, or the tax authorities work, all of those things. Were, I mean, like no one knew that last year. It was kind of constantly changing. But what our clients had was they had someone that they could call to or send an email or send an instant message to say, this kind of came up, you know, how do I handle that? Um, and I think you do need to have that. And lastly, it's, you know, it ends in success. Now, you know, none of our clients are in that stage uh, from the perspective of because they're still living out the the uh, the story. And uh, but it's an important concept, even with us. You know, to to as a company and, and as as individual members in the team, to always define what is that success. Um, and by that, I don't mean that. You know, once you've achieved that, you kind of pack up your bags and I'm retired and we're off to the seaside, but it doesn't work like that. You know, it's like you almost need to know when enough is enough, firstly, and then what is going to keep you driven to whatever success measures, you know, you want. Um, unfortunately, I mean, all of our clients are on this, on this journey that, you know, firstly, they go through, you know, how do I get the private practice where I'm not spending hours and hours on admin and following up on payments. And then how do I get the private practice to be the revenue I want? And then how do I get the private practice to be non-time-based? So they're constantly on that journey and we constantly that guide to help them. No, definitely. But, you know, if you really want to give an example of that, you can actually, like you said earlier, start looking at movies um, because they follow that framework so beautifully. And, as a practitioner, if you can see how you fit into that framework and how you use that to market your practice to potential heroes in this case, then 
your business should start going through each of those transitions to be able to complete that story. Um, one of my favorite examples of this would be the Lord of the Rings. I mean, we all know that Frodo is the hero, but it's actually a really tricky book because Aragorn is also the hero. And both of them have very clear and distinct guides. Um, Gandalf guides Aragorn to, you know, first he leads the fellowship. From leading the fellowship, guides him to take up his role as the King of Gondor. But I think the most important guide in the Lord of the Rings would be Sam. I mean, Frodo is given the Ring of Power and told, you need to get this to Rivendell, which for him is okay, not a problem, and will head off to Rivendell. But then they realize that they need to destroy this ring. And throughout the book series and movies, Sam is constantly pushing and helping Frodo to get over the obstacles to get from Rivendell into the heart of Mordor and ultimately to destroy that ring. Um, and if you translate that into healthcare, you know, if we look at anybody working with pediatrics, the hero in the story is the patient. And the guide is obviously the therapist trying to help that patient get to where they need to get to, where they're able to walk or talk or, you know, run or jump. And the journey changes throughout that hero's life. And the guide is constantly there to give them the next tool that they need to advance to the next stage so that they do eventually get to in phase where they throw the ring in, you know, into Mount Doom and everything works out. But without that guide, the hero would never make it to Mount Doom. The pediatric child would never learn how to walk or how to tie their shoes or read without the therapeutic guide being the healthcare practitioner. I like that story. And, you know, as you were saying that, I mean, I realized why Lord of the Rings is actually as brilliant as it is, is um, because as you mentioned, there's almost two storylines. Um, and actually, there's more than two in, now that I think about it, uh, but definitely two in terms of heroes, maybe. Um, but it's so complex that it keeps you riveted in terms of the story. Um, if I had to pick a simpler one, I mean, would be um, the Hunger Games, you know, with Katniss Everdeen. Um, and again, you know, like the, the reason that, you know, like your example as well as the Hunger Games are good examples is when those movies came out, they kept audiences waiting for the next installment for years. And people still, I mean, they didn't lose interest. It's almost like they waited two years for the next Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, sequel to come out to see what happened next. I mean, obviously the ones that read the book, you know, knew what was going to happen anyway, but, but still, you know, people, you know, if, whether you read the book or not, you still went to the movies and watched that movie for three hours. And I did the same with, with Hunger Games. I mean, we loved the story. We connected with the character, you know, with Katniss Everdeen. Um, you know, she was the ultimate reluctant hero or heroine because, you know, she didn't want to do this. You know, the life-changing event was like she got, you know, chucked onto the tournament. And again, not because she wanted to, but only because her sister was chosen, you know, to go to the tournament. And she knew her sister would, would obviously not survive that tournament. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the, the reason I, you know, resonate with the Hunger Games as well is that it has all of the, it has all of the, um, the, the aspects 
of like almost like being very dramatic. You know, Katniss was the ultimate reluctant, you know, heroine. Hamish was the, the you know, like a really dramatic, terrible guide, you know, but he, he did do it before. So it was almost like, you know, you couldn't pick a worse guide in terms of that. And I mean, he, you know, like even in the, in the movie, you know, he struggles. Well, I think the, the, the director probably struggled more to be able to, con, you know, to almost get the audience to, to be convinced that actually Hamish has got this, you know, like he's not going to let Katniss down. Um, and then I think with the weapons as well, you know, so Katniss, she had a weapon of choice already, you know, because I think they give them a, a weapon when they start and they tell them to choose or something. Um, so she already had one, but the other weapons were all of these gifts that she got, you know, from, you know, from the sponsors, um, you know, if she earned their, their, um, their trust and their, she earned um, their, or she was, you know, she, she was liked. Um, and then it was also the, you know, the, the advice that she got from Hamish and, you know, the, um, you know, the other, you know, like the, the, the people that she picked up along the way. Um, and obviously the, the success part is, you know, she wins the tournament and, um, and stuff like that. But I thought that was really good because it was very dramatic in terms of how it was done. Obviously a very emotional story and stuff like that, but it was, um, you know, so when I read, you know, building the story brand and I thought about the Hunger Games, um, I actually used it in presentations we did in workshops, but I could immediately kind of put that into place. And when, when we did it at workshops, you know, although we only had five minutes to explain the story um, or, or, or explain why we were talking about Hunger Games in a healthcare practitioner workshop, um, you know, people automatically just kind of got it, you know, like they got, oh, okay, yes, they, you know, I get that part. I get this part. I get that part. Um, so I like that part. Um, and, you know, if I liken it to, to us, you know, maybe we're not the perfect guide. I mean, like we, I never profess to be, you know, like, and, and as a team, we, we always say, we, you know, we, we're probably not the best fit for everyone, but we are a guide in some form or fashion. And, um, and, and I think from a, from a heroine or a healthcare practitioner in private practice, you know, they are definitely the reluctant heroine because they don't 100% believe in this journey that they're in. Um, they believe in it, like we covered, you know, in, in the previous episode, they believe in the life purpose part, but I'm not 100% convinced uh, based on the interactions I've had thus far that everyone believes that they can actually have the financial part of the private practice that they all kind of deserve and want. No, um, very much so. I mean, the interactions we've had with a lot of current clients and potential clients is when you start having the conversation of you can move your practice to a point where you're earning the revenue that you want and you have the free time that you want and even to the next phase of earning that passive income, a lot of practitioners kind of look at you as if to go, okay, well, which bus did you fall off? Once you start explaining that story and showing them, you know, giving them the tools and that could start off with something as simple like you mentioned earlier, a software to make sure that you are able to generate that invoice, send that invoice out to where it needs to go to, or, you know, do you have somebody to answer those phones that you don't miss those potential clients calling in for sessions? Each one of these tools helps you build your practice to the point where you can have that life that you want. Um, 
And you revert it all back to, yes, in our story, we are the guide and the practitioner is the hero. But when you convert it from the practitioner's side, the practitioner is the guide and their potential patients, each one of them is a hero. And when you look at how do you ensure that that hero trusts you as a guide, that's through making sure that each one of your tools works, that, you know, you know, you've done it, you've gone through this with other heroes that have had the same or similar situations, and you know this tool helps, whether it be in psychology and you're using BWRT, you know that this helps people that have addiction issues or want to quit smoking. So that is the tool to help the hero who desperately wants to try and quit smoking to, okay, I can do this. And by quitting smoking, they reach that, the end of their quest, but they can't do it without the assistance of the practitioner. Um, and I'm not saying that practitioners can't succeed and have practices without our assistance, but they, in their own way, have to find guides. And that could be reading a book, um, speaking to colleagues. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to determine very categorically who is the hero and who is the guide in every story so that you can reach that happily ever after end. I like that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I really like this discussion. I think um, from a... Um, you know, from a story point of view um, and from a, uh, from a guide point of view, I think, um, you know, if clients understand this concept and know how it relates to their private practices, immediately everything becomes a lot more easier. I think it also helps um, potential clients that are interested in working with us to be able to answer that question as well as to, you know, so they don't really just pick one of the products and say, okay, I want to work with, with Kitrin because of this. Um, it's actually, I want to work with Kitrin because they are the best guide that I can probably pick right now. And, um, and also with that, you know, by, by just saying exactly what I just said now, it also means that we don't have to be the guide forever. You know, maybe it's only in this part of their private practice that we are that guide. And then we kind of, or, or they move on because obviously they're the most important person in the story. Um, and I think we can leave it there. Um, Shaz, is there anything else that you want to add to this before we close it up? No, I think we've covered, I think we've covered everything really nicely on just that understanding of what that story is for all sides involved. Okay, perfect. Um, cool. Thank you very much. Um, I'll speak Thank to you, you soon. Catch up with you soon. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. As always, stay tuned and we'll speak to you in the next episode.